0: One, we are live for a new episode of The Electric Podcast. I'm Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, let's get ready to jump in. But right before, I want to say a quick thanks uh, to our sponsor, um, Amy Hill. Uh, any Hill um, as its latest uh, line of UM2 electric scooter featuring a new powerful brushless motor with a maximum of 750 watt motor output power and a detachable LG battery pack. You can um, check out the website in the show notes right now uh, for a discounted UM2 electric scooter. And we're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on in the show, so stay tuned for that. But thanks to any Hill for sponsoring this um, episode of the Electric Podcast. All right, we have a little bit of a lighter show than last week with all the news that came out of the earnings, but still a few interesting things to discuss and a lot of like uh, follow up from previous uh, news story that we discussed over the last few weeks, months and uh, quite recently even. Um, The main one we discussed, I think in the last few weeks is uh, all these questions about Tesla's demand and uh, if there's really like a diamond cliff happening right now and uh, if that's part of the explanation for the miss on delivery last quarter, or if Tesla is really 100% accurate about this vehicle in transit thing and whatnot. Our main argument was always, if there's truly a demand issue, we should start seeing Tesla pull on some demand levers because they are available to them. It's not like Tesla has no way whatsoever to boost demand if they need to and uh of course we talked about the men the main the main lever being pricing like tesla has some room to reduce pricing just because they have like industry leading gross margins right now and also tesla has been indicating over the last few months that there's a a, a price uh the, the the there's a trajectory a trend for our costs and the supply chains going down right now so it looks like inflation is um stabilizing And or even going down. And so the big news story this week is Tesla did pull on that demand lever in China, at least. And that's obviously an important market for Tesla or any electric vehicle makers right now. Uh, So Tesla did reduce the price of the Model 3 in the Model Y in the country by uh, a decent margin here. Uh, The um, Model 3 built in Shanghai uh, went from 279,000, basically 280,000 yen to. 266,000 yen, Uh, so now it starts at uh, $36,800, which is a lot cheaper than uh, in the U.S. The cheapest Model 3 right now is $46,000. The Model Y uh, went down even more, so so that's a 5% decrease for the Model 3. Model Y went down 9% from two hundred seventeen thousand yen to uh, basically 300,000 yen. So uh, starts at roughly forty thousand dollars. So that's uh, also fairly cheap compared to when uh, sixty-six for the uh, uh, Malawi in the U.S. But that's uh, although that's uh, it's not the same version. Obviously, not just that it's built in China, but in China they have a standard range Malawi which we don't have access, or at least not
1: yet uh, in uh, not currently, because there was a point. Wasn't there, or am I? Well, I
0: mean, you, you, the, you're talking about the Texas uh, one, right? Or? Oh, well, no, you, there, was, there was a standard range one too. At one point, I shortly live, and then Tesla launched the Texas ones, which is not really a standard range, more like a kind of a mid range uh, version. So, yeah, there's still room for Tesla to launch something else in
1: the US uh, if they feel like so. Uh, and, and and then that subsidy knocked them down in, into a sub or sorry the price drop knocked the Model Y into a standard range into a subsidy subset that lasts till the end of the year. Yes, think, right. Uh, for you needed to be under three hundred thousand,
0: so they got that just under that. But that that subsidy apparently ends. Uh,
1: no, it can. Uh, I think it ends at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, but there's others. No, so, yeah, yeah, it's a direct subsidy that ends at the end of the year. And then there's a tax abatement that uh, is still going to be applicable into uh, 2023. So that's the first demand lever that Tesla uh, pulled in China. Price adjustment on both Model 3 and Model Y. And then uh, the automaker also launched uh, the new referral program in China. So we talked last week about the new referral program. Uh, there was some indication in uh, the latest mobile app update that Tesla was working on a new uh, to, to about to launch a new referral program. We talked about uh, Tesla. Some sources have told us that Tesla was bringing back the program for vehicles. Uh, it looked like it looked like the program was being more becoming more of a loyalty uh, reward system rather than a zero referral program, though it does include referrals. Uh, and now that Tesla that uh, launched it in China, uh, they, they call it the Treasure Chess Points Reward Program. Uh, I assume that the Treasure Chess is like a reference to the loot chest because that's how it appears in the app. So maybe it may, might be a translation issue here. Uh, but... Uh, it, the the points reward part of it, though, that might be the most interesting part. Like it's it, it's more like a point reward because you accumulate points, uh, whether like right now, it sounds like the only two ways to accumulate points is buying a Tesla yourself. So if you buy a new Tesla, like now you don't need someone else's referral like you used to, uh, which makes sense. I mean, like, <laughs> like if you are already a Tesla owner, you probably don't really uh, need the guidance of another Tesla owner to um, buy a, a new car, but people would still use the referral of another owner just because you get the benefit yourself. Because if you remember the benefit goes both ways, um, the referral and then the referee also get uh, the referrer and the referee both get, uh, well, they used to get prizes. Now, well, for the, for the longest time, it was the super, free supercharging miles. Now instead they get points, these treasure chest points. And those points can be used uh, to get prizes like some items in Tesla's accessory store, as well as supercharging uh, miles are are attached to points and then you can transfer those and get what there's a lot of different prices available. We can get to them real quick. But um, uh, it's basically all the Tesla accessories available in the Tesla store. in vehicle software upgrade that's interesting. So, if you uh, have some of those, like we're talking about hand in hand, autopilot, full self driving, beta, you can apply those points toward that. And, um, yeah, like I said, free supercharging miles. Then, on top of directly transferring your new treasure chest point loot, loot box points into um, e- these uh, accessories or upgrades. There is quarterly and annual raffles or sweepstakes uh, that you enter as you make those referrals or you buy a new car, like I said, that also gives you points. You actually get more points, I think, from buying a new car than you do um, than you do uh, referring one. I think it's thirty five hundred points for referring a car, like five thousand or seven thousand, depending on the car, For the uh, if you buy it yourself directly. So, uh, for example, uh, the quarterly, like the first quarter, twenty twenty three raffle, you can uh, there's going to be eighty nine Tesla Texas bell buckle available. There's going to be a Tesla Model S stroller. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, Might be like a translation issue here. A new home charging station. So there's going to be five of those that's going to be raffled at the end of the quarter, and a twenty four month right to use in vehicle software upgrade. Uh, FSD, so so you basically get FSD for two years uh, subscription. That's that's actually a lot of value here. Um, they put it at thirty three thousand yen, but I mean in the US it's what's it's two hundred two hundred dollars a month the subscription. So twenty four months, of that's significant. Then they have also an annual sweepstakes that will include five uh, VIP access to Gigafactory Shanghai uh supercharger 50,000 kilometers of supercharging miles that's also significant mm-hmm. uh 3 years uh, yeah that that one also like i'm not so sure like it, it says 3 years a right to use new items in the tesla shop up to $45,000 in value so I, I don't know exactly what that means like you can you just like get wheels and new wheels and tires but for 3 years like it's it's not clear um oh maybe you, you can't Spend up to forty five thousand dollars at the stores o- over a three year period.
1: Hmm. Okay,
0: uh, that would be interesting. So uh, there's just one. Of, yeah, it's just one of those. Uh, model three wheel drive, um, or model a model Y will drive for a year. That's that's also significant. And basically, like lease them model Y for a year for free. So that's but that's obviously just for the Chinese market for now. Uh, we expect Tesla to launch a similar version of the new. I guess we're gonna change it from referral program to loyalty program. Maybe we'll see how the all the marketing of it changes. But uh, coming uh, to the North American market soon, I would assume, or whenever they need it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's that's why it's a demand lever too. Another interesting news this week: uh, Tesla is. Looking into making an investment into a facility in Mexico. The report came uh, from Routers. Uh, the uh, it, it's a follow up basically on a report that came out earlier this year with the the state of uh, Nuevo uh, Leon, uh, which is bordering small border with Texas. Uh, the state of the state capital. Well, I don't know if it's the state capital, but it's, uh, the biggest uh, city in the state is Monterey, and it's a hub for um, maybe not as much vehicle production but uh vehicle supply like there's a lot of tier one suppliers that are based in monterey and um Tesla has a lot of suppliers there and the report that came out earlier this year is was a weird thing where as you see it on the screen right here if you're if you're watching uh it's uh Tesla got its own lane at the border between uh, nuevo leon and um, texas so it's just to make traveling between the uh, Texas and the state of Nuevo, Nuevo León faster. And the explanation that the economy minister there gave at the time was that Tesla has a lot of supplier in the state. So it makes sense for them to have a fast lane there, even though apparently the wait time at that particular border are not significant, uh, because it's it's a weird border, right? like it's a, they basically created the the map out the state in order to get the border there. And um, so yeah we suspected at the time like eh, maybe there's a little bit more to that story than just like Tesla. like it's quite a deal here to get your own lane along with like trucks and cars like you literally see see on the screen here you have uh just just cars uh just trucks and then you have teslas like just teslas Um, but then now what we learned is that uh, elon met with the governor of the state uh, mr samuel garcia and a bunch of other uh, officials, including the US ambassador to Mexico. And what came out of it, apparently, is that Tesla is looking to invest specifically in uh, uh, the town of Santa Catarina, which is just outside of Monterey and is known to house a lot of uh, suppliers. So it's not clear that the report doesn't indicate what exactly Tesla is looking in terms of investment, if it's an actual factory, a gigafactory, or if it's going to be uh, uh, a factory to to create components or uh we, we we really don't know maybe just a warehouse but though like the the talk with the governors and things like that i would assume that's a little bit high a little bit larger scale than warehouse operation distribution or anything like that so something to keep an eye on of course that comes also amid discussions that tesla apparently is also looking in a factory in canada and we reported that originally when that first came out Elon. When was asked by a Tesla employee, where is Tesla's next factory going to be in the US? And he corrected, is like actually in the next factory probably more in North America than the US specifically. And we're looking at both locations in Canada and Mexico. So, uh, however, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a competition between Canada and Mexico. I think that Tesla could quite easily pull the trigger on both. Location one in Canada, one in Mexico. Because, as you know, the automaker's goal is to produce 20 million electric vehicles per year by 2030, and they need eight more gigafactories to make that happen. Now, 2030 is coming fast, that's uh, less than eight years from now, and eight new gigafactories that's one per year, but that's one per year at production or even f- like almost like full production really that they need to get them. So they literally pro- need to announce those eight new factories in the next like two to three years in order to uh, then build them and, uh, and rem them up. So like there's going to be a lot of new gigafactories announced in consecutive orders. I think uh, probably again, at least two in North America, probably two more in Europe, uh, two more in Asia, most likely maybe one in South America. If Tesla feels uh, like uh, they could pull it off, even though the South American market is not exactly ready for electric vehicles. Lots of lithium there, though. Sorry?
1: Lots of lithium there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's true. Uh, the supply chain is there, but uh, it's the infrastructure like Tesla would need to invest heavily into uh, superchargers. Mexico Tesla already has a somewhat decent supercharger network, though it definitely could use more uh, stations. It's not mm-hmm. about it. Another week, another Tesla software update. Uh, Tesla release uh, the update 2022.40.1. Not a massive update, but still a few interesting things. The biggest one, like leaving the what Tesla call an improved charging efficiency. So we don't have that much detail in, in there, just the release notes. Tesla says, during DC fast charging, which includes supercharging, the thermal system controls have been optimized for each charging station's power capability, improving both charging and on-route battery preconditioning efficiency. This result in fast charging time and reduced energy costs. You know, the fact that Tesla actually doesn't specify supercharging here just as DC fast charging, sounds like it might be specific specifically for non Supercharger, fast charging station. So, that I mean, I feel like Tesla should have probably mentioned the adapter if that would have been the case. Like, it would be like, oh, we optimize the charging when you charge with the CCS adapter. They didn't say that. So, it's maybe it's for both. Yeah, maybe it's for both. But to me, the the way it's phrased, it sounds like Tesla is basically introducing like on route battery preconditioning for CCS, which would make sense. Um, We've seen Tesla starting to. Include non Tesla charging station on the super on the charging map. So, because because obviously, in order to uh, on route battery preconditioning for DC fast charging, you would need to the car would need to know that it is going to a, a charging right. station. And for the supercharger, that's fairly easy. The app you on the map, you click on them, and Tesla knows exactly where it's going. But for DC fast charging station, uh, it's not as easy. I think a lot of a lot of owners, what they do is they pull up PlugShare or a similar app and find the address and then uh, route the address on their car for that. So uh, Tesla would need to know exactly that it is going to be charging. Uh, then a few other things. Tesla introduced something. It's, it's It's sort of like a combination of dog mode and sentry mode so they can both run at the same time. So in the release note, this still writes, your vehicles and pets can be kept safe by activating dog mode and sentry mode at the same time. Sentry mode alarms are silenced if dog mode and sentry modes are both enabled. So obviously you don't want your your dog to freak out and the alarm starts in the car. And uh, you can a mobile app notification will still be sent and video footage will be saved. So that's the primary way I think people use sentry mode, like a kind of evidence if someone like messes with your car. Uh, then there's this driver door unlock mode. So when activated uh, in the control lock settings, uh, driver door unlock mode, uh, you when you long press on the interior door switch, it unlocks all the doors and the trunk. So it's a quicker way to do it. But also, if you're afraid that like you're going to press on it too long, if you just want to unlock the doors, uh, you, you can uh, not activate it. Uh, assume it's not activated by default. And finally, you uh, Tessa is also adding um, the um, logos of Radio Station in the media player. So if you're a radio listener, you're going to start seeing some logos coming up uh, in your center screen. So that's interesting. That's the 2022.40.1 update. So keep an eye for that. I don't think I've got it yet.
1: No. I haven't got it on either mine.
0: Yeah. All right, a recall from Tesla this week—an uh, actual, real, physical recall. Not—we've uh, been reporting a lot of Tesla recalls over last year, but uh, a lot of them were simple software update, and that led a lot of people to complain, especially the media. Like the media, like they like to put like, "Oh, giant!" Like Tesla is recalled a million vehicle for safety issues, and it's like, "Oh, uh, uh, there's a one beep missing when you." Uh, Click your your seatbelt on or something like that. Like it's um, pretty ridiculous at time, and it pushes a lot of people to maybe like change the way that we. Uh, address recall, like it shouldn't be called a recall, because the recall kind of implies that you need to recall the vehicle physically to a service center to address the issue, which is not the case with software update. But in this case here, it's an actual, real recall, and actually, set uh, got the uh, notification for his own Model Three. It right. uh, affects twenty four thousand Model Threes in uh, the U.S. Uh, built. Uh, from 2017 to recently, so it, it, the the weird thing here it sounds like it's not a a manufacturing defect. It sounds like it's a a, a service issue. Like the the the, the vehicle affected were tampered with during a certain service uh, thing, and that led to this issue with the the seat belt. So describing the issue here. Uh, Tesla has decided to proactively recall certain multi-vehicle vehicles manufactured between 20, 2017 and 2022 in, uh, to inspect the assembly of the second row left end seat belt and the center seat belt anchor to ensure component or fasten uh, to specification. So, why do I say that that it's like not a manufacturing defect but a service issue? Is that Tesla did say that. Um, um, the bolt component have been incorrectly reassembled after disassembly during service action. So I don't know. Did you ever had set a problem with like your back seat or something that they had to disassemble the back
1: seat or something like that? I mean, it, <clears throat> there was an early like I feel like 2018 um, recall, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't gotten my. There's a another recall with the. Uh, there's a cable that uh, runs through the trunk, and I uh, last time I went to the uh, service, actually the last two times, uh, when my door was like cutting my hand, and um, when my LTE modem went out, um, I went to the um, service center, and they didn't have the parts for the the previous recall. So, yeah, that car is. I I think I'm gonna trade it in soon. It's <laughs> it's not it's not really that great anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a very early Model 3. Exactly. Um, the early ones aren't great.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it, it sounds like, the, I mean, they, they don't even need to replace the anchors for the seat belt. They just need to fasten some some something. So, so at some point, they were disassembled by a service for whatever reason in those right. 24,000 cars. And uh, now they just want to make sure that uh, they were reassembled correctly. But that's pretty much it for the recall. But there was an other Tesla recall that was a l- little bit more ridiculous than this one this week, and it concerned the Tesla Cyberquad for kids. And when I saw that, I kind of I got a laugh out of it because, all right, I I, I started looking into the recall notice from uh, the uh, it's called the what's it called the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. So if you if you don't know what the cyber quad for kids is, the cyber quad is of course the, the electric ATV that Tesla unveiled with the Cyber Truck. And supposedly it's going to be available as an option with the Cyber Truck. So you're going to be able to order that. And it's a full-scale electric ATV. Uh that's going to be pretty cool, apparently. But the Cybertruck is not there. So the CyberQuad isn't isn't there. And we haven't heard much about the vehicle program uh ever, really. <laughs> but last year, Tesla decided to uh, through its partnership with uh Radio Flyer which is a toy maker they they build a cyber quad for kids like a smaller vehicle but, but if this is not this is not really like a, a real ATV for kids like there are real like ATVs for kids like that go quite fast and everything this is more like a toy like uh, i gave an example of like these jeeps like you see a lot of like uh, <laughs> when i was a kid would say the rich kid would have that like we never yeah. never had one of those but uh the rich kid would would they would play around with those while we had our tricycles, and um, so they are not really powerful. In the case of the, I mean, it's—I it, say not powerful. I mean, it's 500 watts. You see a lot of electric bike that have 500 watts electric motors, but they the they are. to have a top speed of 16 kilometers an hour, which is 10 miles per hour. Because I mean, they, it's not—it's not an electric bike either. It's like they are—they are on four wheels. That it's not really powerful, though. We played with one a few weeks ago. Uh, when I had a real electric ATV, but funny, then my my girl, the the guy that had me try it, also had a Cyberquad for kids. So my girlfriend was on the Cyberquad for kids, and I was on the real ATV. And you, you cannot confuse the two of them. <laughs> it, this is really a toy. But uh, Radio Flyer apparently was in discussion with the US, uh, U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, and they determined that this was a, not a toy, but a youth ATV. And that comes with regulation in terms of uh, mechanical suspension, maximum tire pressure and um, something called a CPSC approved ATV action plan. So basically, this they consider this a UTV anymore and it doesn't comply to the UTTV regulation because, of course, it's a toy. It wasn't meant to be. So they have to recall all of them. Apparently, they made 5,000 of them and they uh, are asking them to recall. So it's kind of a weird thing. Like, Why did they decide now, like a year later, that these things are real UTTV instead of toys? Well, I digged into the uh, commission's recall report. And while they didn't they didn't say specifically that that triggered the recall, they did find it relevant to include an incident report in there, so, but their incident report is 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 kind of funny where it says that radio flyers received one report of an incident where the single rider cyber quad, so they specify that only one person is supposed to be on a cyber quad, tipped over when driven by an eight-year-old child. Okay, so far it sounds good. Like an eight-year-old should be using this. But then they say, and a 36-year-old adult female female, resulting in a bruised left shoulder to the adult female. So just to, to, to make it clear a 36 year old adult was on the atv with an 8 year old and she fell or the thing tipped over as it should because it's you're supposed to be you're not supposed to be two on it and you're not supposed to be a full size adult though i mean this is some women are smaller like like i said my girlfriend is an adult and she tried it and she, it was somewhat okay uh, and she fell and she got a bruise and now they are recalling the whole thing. So I, I, I cannot believe like the, the the kind of mentality it takes to tip over in the ATV and like hurt your shoulder as an adult. Kids on the ATV. Kid's, yeah. Okay, yeah. On a kid's toy. And then your thought is like, let me report that to the manufacturer and apparently to the commission, the U.S. commission for uh, safety product, consumer safety product. And just ruin the party for everyone. Well, I say ruin the party for everyone. Look, the recall, I don't think anyone's going to enforce that recall on you because the recall, what it consists of, you don't even have to send the whole CyberQuad back, so if you you like the CyberQuad just for the look of it, like you want it as like a, uh, a decorative piece or something, you, that might be a good deal for you, actually, because all you need to ship back is the drivetrain. So, cause I guess they don't want, they don't want to put like the, the nightmare of shipping all these things back because they're pretty big. Um, not that big, but still inconvenient to ship back. Uh, while the drive train, like you, you can see it actually a little bit in this picture, like it's very small drivetrain. You can put that in a box, easy ship it back and you get a full refund. Uh, and I guess you keep the rest of it, the rest of the ATV. And then if you don't want to do that and your kids are enjoying the toy, uh, I guess you just don't do it, and I doubt that the U.S. Commission for Consumer Product is gonna knock on your door and uh, request to get back the the ATV. So,
1: so wait, you only have to send back the motor, and you get the full refund.
0: Yeah, that's what uh, they they said in the in the
1: recall notice. You know what? We should find out uh, what motor that is. <laughs> we could we could get like an upgraded motor. Well, I, I'm sure. I'm the sure price there's of...
0: like you have to have like a series numbers or something like that.
1: Yeah, but I mean like you could send back that motor and get, you know, some third party motor on Amazon uh for you know a hundred bucks and uh do a swap.
0: Oh okay, okay, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's doable. So you get a refund and then basically the cost of your ATV now is just the cost of a small electric five hundred watt motor. Yeah. That makes sense. Let's like the way you think that? What's that? I said, I like the way you think. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Should we do a quick, quick had read? Yeah, sure. Um, So this week's episode is sponsored by Anyhill electric scooters. Great to have a scooter uh, manufacturer on board here. Uh, Anyhill's latest UM2 electric scooters offer super stable riding performance and include a new powerful brushless motor with a maximum 750 watt motor output power. You'll also find a detachable high quality LG battery That uses 21770 LG lithium-ion battery cells. The UM2, along with Anyhill's other scooters, include a unique three-second fast folding system and a dual brake system with both electronic brake and mechanical mechanical brakes. Anyhill's latest lineup also includes a double-sided kickstand, three-speed adjustment mode, and a fixed-speed cruise control function and an integrated high-brightness anti-glare LED headlamp to provide maximum nighttime visibility up to 35 feet. You can currently get the UM2 for a special limited-time price by hitting the link below or in the show notes, visiting anyhill.com. Thanks again to Anyhill for sponsoring. Looks like a good scooter. Yes, thank
0: you for Anyhill for sponsoring the show. Uh, We have a few more uh, news items to discuss uh, before getting into the comment section. So we we should have a decent amount of time to um, answer your question. If you have any, put them in the comment section right now. And uh, if we have any other subject in the EV community that you want to discuss this week, we can do that too. You just put them in the comment section whenever you're ready. Uh, All right. That was kind of a big story this week. Toyota is considering, apparently... Uh, based on a lot of sources that spoke to routers, they're considering a a complete reshuffle of their electric vehicle plans. Uh, So, of course, if you've been following Electric, you know that we uh, have been hammering Toyota for years now about their being a lagger in the electric vehicle revolution. And uh, not not only being a lagger like themselves, not launching vehicle program, but they literally have lobbied against regulation that would encourage battery electric vehicles because they are
1: heavily invested in the hydrogen fuel cells. And and don't forget the marketing and advertising against EVs. So they've made fun of charging stations and stuff.
0: Yeah. They had a lot of
1: advertising uh, for their hybrids saying that they are like, basically
0: like never, it's an electric vehicle that never needs charging. Like something like that, which is <laughs> like, it's okay. Like that's not how you should approach this issue at all. Like, um, gasoline not need charging too. Like that's, is that what you're saying? Um, but yeah, last year though they they, they finally kind of they, they finally unlocked their wallet when it comes to investing into battery electric vehicle programs with a 38 billion dollar plan to launch 30 battery uh, electric vehicle models by uh, 2030, and of course that has started with the BZ4X, which has has had a ton of issues itself. Uh, which might be also part of uh, why they are rethinking their approach here, because their first <laughs> their first entry was uh, kind of a disaster. If you're not aware, the BZ4X had a problem with the suspension or the wheel falling off and uh, um, they, they had to stop sales for, for months. and They just restarted production recently. Uh, but according to the report, actually, it's Tesla that's driving them to um, reconsider their plan. And uh, they are particularly impressed with Tesla's manufacturing capability when it comes to electric vehicles, which is kind of a, a stamp, a nice stamp of approval from Toyota, who has been known as like the leader in uh, not electric vehicle manufacturing but car manufacturing period uh, for years now. So they say that uh, Tesla is winning the factory cost wars when it comes to EV. Uh, that was uh, something that uh, apparently was said by uh, Mr. Terashiwa, uh, who's leading the review of this of Toyota's EV plans right now. So it's not it's not all good. Like normally when I say, okay, like it, when an automaker, especially you know, one that has deep pockets like Toyota, is looking at what Tesla did and is like, all right, maybe we should copy that, copy that. Like, I'm like all on board with that. Like, copy Tesla as far well as them. They, they they are the leader in electric vehicle for a reason. However, when it comes to Toyota, who's lagging so much already, uh, it sounds like this is gonna delay them a little bit. It might it might delay the launch of some new vehicles, but ultimately it sounds like it, it could help the automaker in terms of overall volume of electric vehicles later on. So it's not, it's it's a good for a bad uh, because the report did say that they halted work, they stopped working on some existing EV programs uh, because of this review. So. They are waiting for the review to see if uh, they should move forward with their existing v- – because, I mean, if they plan to launch 30 new EV models uh, by the end of the decade, there have to be some programs already in the work that are fairly close to launch here. So the report says that they have halted work on those until the review, and um, it sounds like uh, one of the things that uh, they lo- they're they looking at Tesla is doing that they want to incorporate in their own EV plans is the – bigger casting uh, that Tesla has been doing with the rear casting of the Model Y and now the front casting of the Model Y that has greatly reduced uh, manufacturing complexity, uh, manuf- uh, capital investment into new production, and uh, cost in general uh, to manufacture those vehicles. So that's that's a big deal. Uh, we, we did report that um, Hydra produces those giga press that Tesla use for those giant casting uh, pieces, that uh, Hydra was in discussion with six other OEMs uh, about selling them those giant casting machines for a similar approach because other than Tesla, no one is doing casting that big right now. But even Hydra said when they disclosed that last year, they said, yeah, we, we six automakers right now are looking to follow in Tesla's footsteps, but they did warn that it would take a while for them to First of all, build a machine themselves, and then for, for the automakers to integrate that into their own production in some new or existing vehicle programs. So, even though it's my, my takeaway basically on this is like it's nice that they're looking at Tesla's approach and how what they did well and looking to replicate it, but it does sound like it might delay Toyota's plan a little bit in order to achieve that. And can Toyota afford any delay at this point? I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say Uh Toyota's so far behind right now. It doesn't, like they could kind of just, you know, like start start from scratch, like almost be, begin a new electric vehicle company. The, the BZs are really not anything yeah. to look at. I mean, technically it's not, the specs are not bad, but it, it, so
0: far I haven't tried one, but people are, are not impressed, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, it's a good, uh, you know, it would have been a good one, like, a while ago. But, like, you know, when Hyundai's got, you know, really fast charging, 300-mile range, um, it just doesn't compete. You know, it's not in the mm-hmm. same boat in
0: Kia, obviously. And then you would think, all right, about the advantage of Toyota is, like, the quality of manufacturing and all that. And then their first vehicle that comes out, like, the wheels are falling off. So, not a good look. Literally. Um, all right, the Kia Niro EV. Uh, the 2020, 2023 model year uh, as launch, it's available this month It's this month in the U.S. dealership. And it starts at um, $39,500, which is $500 less than the 2022 model year. And um, you, you have only two trims on the wind and wave. And uh, if you want the wave, which is the higher-end model, it starts at $44,500, uh, so $5,000 more. Uh, you still have the same 64.8 kilowatt hour battery pack. Um, so the $5,000 package is just like uh, little goodies like uh, heated mirrors, power sunroof, some exterior and interior trims that changes. Uh, so nothing too crazy. Oh yeah, obviously a lot of people are comparing the uh, why would you buy the Nero EV, which is like the last generation platform from Hyundai, Kia. Uh, When you have the EV6 and the Ionic 5, because price-wise, there's not that big of a difference. So, so Jamie wrote that um, it's basically $2,000 cheaper than the base EV6, though it has a bigger battery pack, uh, but it has lower range. Yeah, it's not as efficient. That's right. Yeah, the new the new uh, EGMP platform is is extremely efficient, it's surprisingly efficient, really. And not that the Nero was not that efficient either to start with, but um, yeah. So so the the again the question is why would you buy that versus an EV six? And I think the answer is pretty easy: is like pr- because you probably can, and while you cannot, or you're gonna have a tough time getting the EV six. I think the availability of the Nero, even though they're not giving like incredible location in the US, it's not uh it's not i don't think it's the, in the tens of thousands like it's very very low uh but still i think you're gonna have an easier time buying that than putting your name on the wait list when an ev6 and what happens a lot when you put your wait list right now on the on most not just hunting kia but most electric vehicle is you're gonna have a dealership calling you it's like yeah i know you're on the waiting list right now but uh the only allocation we have is on this higher end version of the model with this um markup on MS, MSRP. If you want that, you can have that right now. But if not, you're gonna have to wait until next model year or whatever, whenever we have more location. And then the prices are going up with the new model years. So like it's it's not it's it's not a great scenario like unless you're willing to to pay over MSRP or to get the higher version of the, of the vehicle. But if you want the base version of the EV6 or the Nero EV, you're probably gonna have an easier time getting the base version of the Nero EV with uh at msrp so that's that's basically the only reason that makes sense
1: yeah it's a little bit smaller of a car some people like small cars
0: yeah a little bit higher up i think too i think you're sitting a little bit higher up in the near- yeah. yeah, probably why it's less efficient too yep all right mary barra has decided to uh Dipper feet in the pool of uh, gauging whether or not you're gonna get the full credit for the vehicle with a new tax credit coming next year. So that's there's not a lot of people that are willing to to say anything on that until all the the details are coming out. Um, but uh, Barra for giving her credit, she uh, she said today that um, she believes that they're gonna get the partial credit next year. So uh, for the battery component, I guess the uh, 3750. But the full credit, which required uh, at least 40% of uh, the value of the critical minerals to come from uh, uh, either be uh, manufactured in the US or free trade partners uh, or recycled in North America, too. Well, that's ambitious. And I don't think you can get that much volume from recycled just yet. Uh, and that's well, that's next year. Uh, then it goes up to 15, 2024, and 16, 2025. Uh, so what she said is she said that that they expect to get the full credit within two or three years, so that would be 2024 or 2025, which would be uh, again 50% or 60% of the critical minerals. So the like that's the thing. Like a lot of people have the 40% for next year, and then they plan to like catch up pretty fast after that. Though um, of course GM as a as actually deals right here next to uh, where I live in the Battery Valley in Quebec to. Produce some. I know the cathode materials. That's uh, gonna bypass the Chinese supply chain and 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 definitely help them achieve that goal. And I think they are aiming for 2025 for production, if I'm not mistaken. So that that would that would make sense. They're probably waiting for that in order to to get that tax credit. But yeah, it makes a big difference. 3700 bucks. It's a it's a pretty big difference.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised they weren't able to do it uh, this year. Uh, you I mean, like I would imagine like. They- the problem is that a lot of their stuff goes through china but i feel like a lot of you know tesla's stuff goes through china um, ford i think believes that they're going to get the full credit for a lot of their products i'm surprised gm you know with with uh, their whole altium thing is uh isn't isn't fully fully there yet and won't be for two or three years
0: yeah, I mean, it depends what we're dealing with. So they're dealing with LG. Um, so I guess right. LG is uh, getting more of their uh, base material from, from China than uh, uh, SK. and uh, Yeah, Ford is SK, right?
1: Ford is SK, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
0: Speaking of Ford, uh, last week we discussed the old towing test that you did with the F-150 Lightning. Uh, now you're, we're going to discuss a little bit about uh, your road trip that you took with the uh, electric pickup truck. So yeah so go. uh
1: it was great. uh you know obviously the Ford f150 isn't a road trip car. um I actually had a tono cover put on top of it uh just so I could drive a little faster and uh, wouldn't have to charge as long uh, theoretically and I think that was i think it was made a pretty big difference because you know you don't have that back door just like scooping air as you're driving. So So was that that an aftermarket product or did Ford supply that? It was Ford supplied. It was installed at a Ford dealer and it's just like a vinyl cover. I think they're like a couple hundred bucks Um, and it took not even a lunch break to install. So uh, pretty quick and easy. And obviously uh, because Ford F-150 Lightnings basically have the same exterior stuff as the most popular vehicle in the U S for the last 30 years. Uh, there's tons of, Mm -hmm. uh, third-party stuff around. So, um, you know, I'm going to Detroit. Uh, so I just go into a better route planner and say, I'm going to Detroit and it plots out, you know, three or four electrify America stations. Um, I wanted to do electrify America, not only because they're fastest at 350 kilowatts usually, but because Ford has, um, Plug and charge with Electrify America. Um, I didn't actually, it didn't occur to me that uh, EVgo also has auto charge uh, with Ford. So Mm -hmm. Ford is, I think, the only uh, maker that will do both plug and charge and auto charge, which means they can go to any EVgo or um, Electrify America station and just plug in as long as you're signed up. So that's nice and it Um, worked. I stopped at four or five stations every time I plugged in. You know, twenty seconds to authenticate and started charging. Um, Did
0: every one of these stations work first time?
1: So every station worked until I believe Toledo, and then there was a station with a weird screen. I tried plugging it in, and the you know the Ford was like, "No, this is no good." So I just like reached back to the other station, grabbed the cable, and you know it was a little bit tight to bring it all the way up, but. Uh, it worked fine. Um, you know, like the Ford F one hundred and fifty is a massive vehicle. Like it should not be used for a single person traveling cross country. I would much rather be in a you know a Chevy Bolt or a Tesla Model Three. Not a Chevy Bolt. Well, a Chevy Bolt would have been a longer uh, yeah. char- charging stops. But um, you know, you you, I'm I'm just carrying a lot of stuff mm. around with me that I don't really need to be carrying around. Mm. Um, so yeah. You know i got to the first ea station in the middle of pennsylvania um and plugged in started working um i was getting like 160 170 kilowatt at the beginning mm-hmm. i think 167 is when i took the picture um and it uh got down to 150 kilowatts at about 50 percent, and then i think down to 130 or something toward the end of the charge so you know not not oh, crazy fast. 130 at the end is pretty good though. Yeah. So uh and that that was like at 70%, not at like uh 80 oh. or 90 percent. So um, you know, half hour stops, 25 minute half hour stop, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't have to grab a sandwich, maybe go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and get back in the car. Um, so pretty typical. Like, you know, I would want to stop anyway, you know, two two hours or so. Uh you know, 150 miles between stops, it was pretty normal. I was thinking, like, if I was driving, well, I mean, not real realistically, but if I was driving at a regular F-150, how would my path change? And I probably would want to stop every two and a half hours or so. so and I would probably want to, you know, get out, walk around, get a snack, go to the bathroom. Um, so there was really no added time um, in each of my stops. So You know, it was pretty much the same as it would be with a gas car because, you know, the charging at Electrify America is very simple and it's pretty fast. And I think it's pretty similar when it works. works. (laughs) When it works, and you're right, it didn't work that one time in Toledo Hmm. on that one station. But you know, luckily there was four other stations that, uh, and including one that was like I didn't even have to move the car. So and and honestly, like this has been my that was my best Luck by America experience by far. So I think things are getting better. That's good. Um, and uh you know it's it's just uh it's starting to feel more normal. The flip side is like it's got a hundred thirty kilowatt hour battery. If I was in something like a Kia um a Kia EV six or or some other, you know, high end. A high range car and plugged into the same electrify america station i would get a higher charging rate but i would have half <clears throat> half the size battery mm-hmm. so i would stay at each station half as long so i'd probably be there like 15 20 minutes tops maybe even less and get you know be able to go to the next station so that this is less of a you know electrify america experience thing because i think you know, the F-150 requires so much electricity to get from, you know, one stop to another, but it's more of like, well, you can do a trip in an F-150 and it does seem very similar to what a normal trip would be like uh, in a gas car. Um, So yeah, you know, it's great. It's just like, just don't road trip in any huge pickup truck. If you're alone, like it's just a waste of time and space.
0: That's yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, do, do we have any information about uh, then uh, it's yeah, it's the next generation 2025 I think they said the F150? Yeah,
1: yeah so um the F150 is going to get a big overhaul in 2025, but I think it, next year it's going to have Android Auto as like the center stack. And what's kind of interesting is that they're not going to update the current ones. That are going out so you know they're going to be kind of uh Not left, obsolete, left, but, yeah. left, left behind a little yeah. bit in terms of but i think technology. the charge rate like you said the charge rate that's that would be the biggest
0: update that they would need that but that i think we're gonna have to wait until 2025 for the new platform
1: yeah I, I i think they could probably go a little faster i know the um the gm uh silverado and those 350, i think 350 kilowatt real like charging yeah and I think I saw somewhere, maybe uh, Tom Malagni or something, got like 370 or something at some EA station. So I know Hummer,
0: right? A Hummer, I think.
1: Might have been the Hummer, yeah. But that's that's all the same Altium stuff. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's it's happening. Like, of course,
0: let's put it in perspective. Every time we discuss that, we always talk about like the max charge rate and everything. The charging curve is the most important. Like, keep mm-hmm. this thing up a long time. Um, so we'll, we'll, wait until we see what that looks like to, uh, make a judgment. But, uh, yeah, generally speaking, if you can achieve a higher charge rate, especially in the beginning, it, it makes an impact, uh, for your entire session, uh, overall time.
1: Yeah. I kind of want to do a road trip in, um, an EV6 or, uh, actually probably EV6 because I think the, uh, the Hyundai, um ionic 5 isn't quite as aerodynamic um but i think traveling in with a ev6 that the stops would be like 10 or 15 minutes tops fast charging small battery efficient all that stuff yeah have we done we haven't done a full review of the v6 yet yeah right no i just had uh you know what i have a uh, genesis so still the egmp platform Mm -hmm. Next week, I have the Genesis uh, GV60 nice. coming, so that should be fun. Yep. All right. Should we jump into the comments? Yep. All right. Um, let's see. First up, uh, will Tesla eventually use Starlink for connectivity in its cars? I think it's inevitable. What do you think? I think Elon already said that it would
0: eventually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was uh, a recent patent that came out uh, from Starlink that... Uh, uh, or SpaceX, I guess. I don't know if SpaceX or Starlink now is a completely separate entity uh, to follow up into intellectual property. But um, there was a pattern that came out uh, about using the Starlink constellation uh, for a more precise GPS. uh kind of, lo- what do you call it GPS? It's not, it's not a GPS, but a uh, localization system, I guess. Yeah. A competitor to the GPS system, basically. Right. So um, obviously, Tesla vehicles could benefit from that.
1: Yeah, and it would add another benefit to owning a Tesla because you would have a backup internet connection, uh, you know, for your home or mm-hmm. when you're driving about, and you know, your AT and C signal doesn't work. Whatever. Yeah,
0: you've seen the what Apple did with their their latest generation of phone, where you yeah. have satellite connection in the case of emergency. So uh, that's that's one of the concern that uh, um, could be alleviated by adding that. Like uh, we were just talking, uh, I was talking with my dad the other day about the Tesla is planning a supercharger here a little bit further north from where I am, where it is like further north of where I am right now. There's not much civilization out there, but there's a big patch of road that leads to civilization in Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean, uh, which is another region pretty far north in Quebec. And a lot of people don't want to take that route because it's it's for for there's no con, there's no like cellular connection for a long time. So if your cars break down there, like you're kind of screwed until someone comes over. So um, the uh, for for something like that, it would be great to have a satellite connection.
1: All right. Uh, Nanda Holes uh, adds it would be nice if they bundled Starlink with FSD to make an even better or more justifiable value. And to perhaps help the neural net of road data to be updated more efficiently.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Tesla is mostly waiting for you to connect to Wi-Fi normally to uh, unload a lot of uh, upload a lot of data. So I don't know if they would want to use the bandwidth of the Starlink to do that. Uh, but I do like the idea though of combining it with the FSD just so. Uh, um, it 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 makes the FSD package as, as long as they don't change the price of the FSD package, uh, to to reflect that it would it would make sense. Yeah, no, that that would be a good deal. But knowing Tesla at this point, the way Tesla is, is trying to squeeze all the money out of people with those subscription services, like I feel like it would be just an additional subscription service.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of money uh, in that, for sure. Um, love that the Y is crushing in the EU, like Elon said. The Y would, um, you know, I was thinking, uh, we were talking about earlier the, um, you know, pulling the demand levers in China. I wonder if that's because, uh, Berlin's ramping up, uh, so much that, you know, the Chinese vehicles used to go all over Europe. Now, Berlin's kind of taking care of Europe, and maybe, you know, there's a glut, uh, in China now because they're not, they're not exporting nearly as many.
0: No, it's a hundred percent. Good point. Um, I mean, I think Shanghai is still exporting a lot of vehicles in in Europe. There's no doubt, but yeah, 2000 vehicles a week now in Berlin, uh, they they might start tampering off and releasing some, uh, capacity uh, for, uh, for the Chinese market or any other market too. There's also Australia and other Asian market too.
1: All right, let's get back to these. Um, Okay, so a little clarification on the very important issue of the Cyber Quad uh, toy being recalled. Dan Ober says you have to send back the drive controller for the refund. Oh, not the drivetrain. Well, that's that's probably about the same size as the drivetrain. Yeah, I was going to say that might be even easier to replace than the uh, motor. Just get a a cheap uh, e-bike thing. All right, Uh let's see. Tesla could monkey wrench other car makers if they bought IDRA. IDRA, yeah. That's okay. the giga
0: uh, press manufacturer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. All right. Toyo, Toyota said they're going to start a new clean sheet design coming in five years. Yeah, five years is a long time. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that as
0: long as it like, doesn't mean no, no other EV programs between now and then. Like that would That would be... That might be the end of of Toyota, to be honest.
1: All right. Uh, Our own Mikey G notes that the BZ4X isn't a bad car, and he should know. He drove one all over uh, Santa Barbara. No, wait. Uh, Santa Catalina Island. But it will be left behind like the Leaf, also something he knows a little bit about. Mm -hmm. I agree. I don't think uh, technology-wise it it fits with the current uh, bunch of vehicles. What do you think? Yeah, and also even like, even if it was
0: popular, it doesn't sound like Toyota has the production capacity for it either way. So, it 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 does feel a lot like yeah, you know we haven't I haven't said that word in a long time, but compliance car like it it sounds
1: like 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 Toyota is still in the years of mindset compliance, compliance EV and yeah I agree. they're in that mindset. and the BZ platform was actually adapted from an ICE platform according to roller 20. I think I remember hearing that. yeah and apparently I mean, some Toyota aren't happy with it. yeah
0: yeah that's that that's part of the reshuffle like they are uh, considering building a, a new platform and like giving up on the BZ right now because I think there's a few other vehicles that are coming up on the same platform. Uh, so those programs have been headed for
1: now. All right, Carl in San Diego, the other toy that Radio Flyer sells, the Model S, has a 130 watt motor and goes three or six miles per hour. I can't believe we're even talking about this. So the ATV toy was really pushing it at 500 watts. Well, it did come
0: in two modes. Like they have, a, they also have like a turtle mode and a, a rabbit mode on it. So I think, I think it also locks up at like five or six miles per hour and then you can crank it up at 10. But let me tell you, like, I, I've seen people riding it. It's it's not dangerous at
1: all. <laughs> it's less dangerous than a bike really. Like could you even like if you really wanted to hurt yourself with it, could you hurt yourself with it? Like how, Well, how I to... mean, yeah,
0: sure. You could, especially if you tip it over, but like you, the bigger you are, the more easier you, it's going to be to to tip it over because the your center of gravity is going to be higher and these these things are not that heavy. So, uh but I was playing it – we were playing around with the ATV in the, on, the, on the same route, and there was like a little slope, not, not that strong of a slope, maybe like a, like a 20% grade or something like that. And uh, uh, my girlfriend on it, my girlfriend is not heavy at all, and she, she couldn't uh, dr- dr- ride up the slope with it. Like it was that not powerful. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you take a quick turn at 10 miles per hour and you're off balance, then maybe you fall over and you hurt your shoulder and you get a bruise like that lady <laughs> – that had the recall
1: happen i can't believe that 38 years old 36 36 come on (laughs) i could see if she was like 86 maybe (laughs) well even if
0: she's 86 she has no business getting on that thing right
1: right uh all right so the last two questions uh involve twitter andrew mcdonald says any news to report on elon's twitter purchase and then vince says how do you think Twitter's acquisition may affect Tesla since Musk's Twitter account is their only PR? If Twitter becomes less relevant, could it damage Tesla? What, what are your thoughts? I mean, that? I don't know
0: how much less relevant Twitter can get, to be honest. Like, <laughs> like Twitter is not uh, that big of a social media platform. It's just it's just not. Uh, it's very popular, though, for 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 us, for like journalists, media people. Like, that's definitely the main platform that we use uh versus like Facebook and uh um uh, whatever other platform there is other TikTok, Instagram, it's not very popular for it's it, Instagram and TikTok are way more popular, Facebook too than, than, than Twitter, but just not for kind of like news sharing and things like that and uh news commenting and whatnot. Uh, so I don't I don't think Elon can screw Twitter more than it was screwing itself. <laughs> to be honest, so I think I think he can. definitely overpaid for it. There's no doubt about it. But I think it, it's gonna, gonna go up from there. Now, uh, it's gonna take time. Like if how oh, it's gonna affect us. Like, so I, I don't think the PR aspect is gonna be a big deal. But it's it's gonna take time away from Tesla for him for sure yeah and then the other big deal too is like uh, while he can i don't think I, I don't think he can like badly affect twitter itself too much he can badly affect his image the way twitter is handled. so of course like uh, for example a simple example of like bringing back donald trump well right. yeah if half the us hates donald trump uh so i mean I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump personally it doesn't affect like I don't I don't think less of Elon if he if he brings him back. I don't think it's like that big of a deal uh, personally because uh, whatever he says on Twitter'm I'm, I'm gonna take it with a grain of salt and it's not gonna affect my my opinion that much. but uh, a lot of people that that upsets them uh, so so that affects Elon's image and unfortunately Elon's image is uh closely attached to Tesla's.
1: Yeah, and in, in that regard, like that kind of hurts Twitter a little bit because you know, is Ford going to spend advertising money uh, with Elon? You know, one of their competitors. You know, is is any of the car companies going to spend money on on Twitter? That's, like all the energy companies that are against Tesla.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, you saw he, he tweeted right because of the acquisition. Uh... I guess the first question was, what was the news with the acquisition? And, I, and when it became official last night, sorry, and Elon came into the office with a sink. Right. And said, and let then... that sink in. Hilarious. <laughs> so, his sense of humor is so strange. It's very um, weird. Like, it's, it, it's kind of when he said, because he said it on Twitter before that, like last week or something. And it, it's one of those things that, you, you say and you like you get a, like maybe like a all of it like not even a laugh out loud like, but like just a, okay that's kind of funny but then he does it in person and you're like what like it, no and it like, seemed
1: like unscripted like almost like a gorilla kanye west like running into a building and you know being a goof yeah. and having somebody film it uh so yeah it was very weird especially you know like he's about to go in and fire like the ceo yeah and like the whole c-suite By the way, I don't don't know if you saw today, but like a whole bunch of other people are getting fired. Uh, So I don't know if it's seventy five percent of Twitter or 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 what, but there's certainly like not a lot of you know happy Twitter employees Uh, today.
0: Honestly, seventy five hundred people work. Is that no seven thousand people? Over seven thousand people working at Twitter. That sounds like a lot to me for. Like a fairly simple like social media platform. I guess there's a lot of like legal aspect to it and have like moderating and whatnot, but advertising. Uh, advertising, but even that like it sounds like a lot to me. Uh so I, I'm sure there's uh fat to trim at at there. Sure. Uh seventy-five percent of that sounds like a lot. I I really don't know the, the in workings of, of it. Um but yeah, I mean my main concern is. I, I've said that several times before, but I have serious concern about Elon's own use of Twitter, uh, and I think he's being negatively affected by the algorithm or his, his use of the platform. Period. Because right. uh, we we've seen him block uh, some cri- some critics of of himself and, and Tesla on on Twitter, uh, even fair critics, in my opinion including ourselves, I would put ourselves in the category because we're a big fan of Tesla. And when we criticize it, it's, it's, for the, it's for the good of Tesla, not for not to put it down. And uh, and then he, he, he interact mostly with people that I would consider like, yes, man, that's just like they did not provide uh, like the tough feedback that you, you would need for a company like Tesla and And then it's in in more recently, like in the last few months, there's this weird practice that really highlights the whole thing and how I I feel like he's uh, he's 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 like stuck in a weird echo chamber at this point, where he keeps retweeting people quoting his own comments. Right, like they take some of his quotes that he said either on Twitter itself or like in an interview or something, and someone just posts that like quote Elon said that and then he would like retweet that and said exactly like sure like like things like that which is kind of like such you a agree weird with thing. yourself yeah
1: yeah it's a very it, it's it's gone past like normal like w- interaction and it's like very culty and very yeah. very weird so I don't like obviously this was happening before
0: you own Twitter so I don't, right. I don't know like how honing it would impact it. Uh, he said a lot of things about what he was going to do with Twitter that I think are very interesting, and and one of them might actually help him with that bad echo chamber he's stuck in on the platform. I think, which is to um, kind of I've uh, 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 like an info buttons on tweets that explain why you're being like show this tweet or something or, or or what's happening with this tweet. Uh, so that that's interesting. Uh, I I think like you 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 could get some more feedback. Like the the rankings, like making the ranking system of Twitter uh, public, basically, like uh, which is something that I am personally interested in because uh, I've been looking into it. And because they they do have they don't have the specific ranking on there, but they do say what affects the ranking. And um, so like today I tweeted that uh, now I'm blocked by. The CEO of Tesla, the main company I cover, and the CEO of Twitter, the main social media, the platform that I use for work. Uh, so that's like that's doesn't give me like great prospect on the platform r- really, and um, and one like people like the people took it into like a free speech issue. It's is, is dumb as hell because it's not a free speech issue. Like Elon blocking me on the platform is not a free speech issue, but to a degree. It is just a tiny little bit because of that, because he, him blocking me and him having an extremely influential platform that, based on Twitter's own comments, that deranks my accounts so that lower my exposure on the platform. So it does affect my way to reach people Yeah, uh, with my speech. So um, it would be interesting to see if he does make that public exactly like uh, it shows on my tweet. Like, hey, you're getting less exposure because, uh, Elon decided to block you, And then that opens up the question, like, all right, do I deserve to have my exposure restricted because Elon didn't like what I said and blocked me? Like, is that really like other, so that affect my way to reach other people? Uh, cause then that's a, starting to get into the realm of free speech issue and he wants to make it a completely free speech platform. So, uh, would he, would he change that? Um. Because I, I don't, I, I, like, he, someone blocks me, it's, it's okay. Like, a, uh, doesn't, like, like I said, it's not a free speech issue at all. But if you put that ranking system into it, then that becomes a murkier situation, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. So, let's see how it plays out. I mean, like, that, that's one of those things that I'm kind of excited about Twitter a little bit, though, because it's, unlike Tesla, like, it's not like, all right, like, Tesla delivering FSD, Tesla delivering Optimus, like, that's, like, years, years, years in the making, uh, Twitter launching a new software feature. That's that's a lot quicker. Like it's not exactly quick either. Like as software development does take time and, and engineering effort and all that. But it is generally a lot faster than than um um than, than obviously a vehicle that has ten thousand individual pieces.
1: Yeah, be, but before we sign up, we should try, probably address one part of that uh, question, which was: Is Elon's time at twitter which he's going to have to spend a lot of time there mm-hmm. um going to affect uh tesla uh, and you know his other entities and i i have to say like it's going to mean less elon time at tesla right like that's that's a given i mean undoubtedly at least some uh, is that good or bad though <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I
0: i think i think it's bad for tesla because even though i have some disagreement with the way elon does things lately? I think his impact on Tesla is still a massively positive one. So, I think all the time he spends, and and I I think it's also true, like what he says. that I don't know, a lot of people don't believe it, but I I do believe that he spends a lot of times on actual engineering issues at Tesla, not just like meetings. Which brings us back to the the, the long standing question that should just should should Elon not be CEO of Tesla, and you hire like a, a real good CEO that handles all this like more like high-level meaning stuff and just like day-to-day stuff while he can just purely focus on the uh,
1: long-term vision and the products i feel like he's more like steve jobs where he can't find anybody who he mm. thinks is up to the task because you know he thinks he's you know the only mm-hmm. only one who can possibly do it so i think he stays ceo of all the entities which he mm-hmm. you know owns or whatever and i think that's going to be the case for twitter too like i don't think he's going to be you don't think yeah. he's gonna find a CEO for Twitter either? I don't think so. Wow, that's quite. But we'll see. Like I. Uh, but Tesla,
0: there's a uh, Herbert Diaz is still out there. Uh,
1: yeah. is
0: I keep looking at his LinkedIn, see if he updates it, <laughs> and uh, so far, no, no updates. So I'm sure agent, he's got a
1: maybe. he's got some sort of golden handcuffs from uh, VW.
0: Oh yeah, you think so?
1: Maybe a year or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that would make sense. Been a few months already, though. Things yep. gonna be moving. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the show this week. If you do enjoy the show and only if you do, please give us a thumbs up. That's free to do. It takes a second and uh, it helps the show a lot. You can also subscribe to know whenever our new videos are coming out. We have a bunch of those coming soon. I'm going to have, if all goes well, by the end of next week, I'm going to have a very uh, cool exclusive look at an electric ATV. Uh, we've been talking about the cyber quad for kids and no, that this is not that this is an actual reality TV. It's going to be super cool. So stay tuned for that. And we'll always have cool videos coming out. If you're listening on your podcast app, please give us a five-star review. That's also free to do. It takes a second and it helps the show a ton. Uh, so thank you for watching and listening. Have a good one.